It's the artists and the writers and the, the architects and the visionaries who leave behind the things that are worth remembering and studying. So even as we mourn things that maybe can't be recovered, we have to keep that creative spirit alive. We have to keep envisioning the future. Hello and welcome to AI Arts In. This is Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am here today with Dora Ariola, who is a theater director and choreographer, and Andrea Asaf, who is a theater director, writer, and performing artist. The amount of energy and activity that comes from both of them is astonishing. So I'm going to turn it over to them to tell you a little bit about themselves, and then we'll explore some of the really interesting things that they're doing together and individually. Dora, would you like to start? Yes, thank you very much for this invitation. I'm, it's an honor to be here. I'm a professor at the University of South Florida, the School of Theater and Dance, and it is at a very interesting environment. We have a lot of collaborations between theater and dance and also with the music department. This collaboration allowed us also to go out from our walls and reach the communities. Also, we work with some organizations in Tampa, the focus on veterans. I'm from Mexico, and I keep my company in Baja California and Tijuana. That is the border with San Diego. Mm -hmm. And with my company, we explore women's issues and the relationship of women's issues with the border of the United States and mm. Mexico. Mm. That is not only physical borders, mm -hmm. but are more, sometimes are more metaphorical. Borders that are not exactly between countries, but sometimes in our communities and how we, how we eliminate them. All right. And Andrea? Hi. So I am the artistic director of a nonprofit arts organization called Art to Action, Inc. And Art to Action basically does three different things, or we work in kind of three areas. One area is the creation and touring of original work, which is sometimes work that I'm involved in as an artist or sometimes work that we support. The other area is presenting, where we bring artists from out of town to the Tampa area, primarily in partnership with the University of South Florida School of Theater and Dance. So we've kind of been in residence with the College of the Arts since 2014. And that's been a really amazing partnership. And the other area of our work is what I refer to as cultural organizing, which includes the veterans work that Dora mentioned. But really, this area of work in the arts field you can be can be found under different names, whether it's called cultural organizing or community-based arts or socially engaged practice, which is how do we co-create with community members who don't necessarily identify themselves as artists, but whose stories should be elevated to the public sphere and public dialogue. So when you're talking about veterans' work, you produced a festival. That's a project in partnership with Americans for the Arts Initiative on Arts and Health in the Military, which is a national initiative. I propose that we bring it outside of D.C. to Tampa because we have such a large military community here. Mm -hmm. USF is a veteran reintegration campus, and of course, a lot of people come here for treatment. We started with a night of theater with Speed Killed My Cousin by the Carpetbag Theater which is a play about a female veteran who struggles with PTS and suicidal thoughts. 
I'm the director of that play, which tours nationally. We did a concert with the School of Music that included a piece that we made from veterans' stories locally. We also presented a wonderful band called The War and Treaty. The lead singer is an Iraq War veteran, and we were really thrilled to be able to bring the dance concert, Liz Lerman, and her piece called Healing Wars, along with Isara Ramirez, who's a comedian, former veteran turned stand-up comic. It was a pretty extraordinary festival. I want to come back, Dora, to what you were talking about border issues. There seems to be a connection, emotionally anyway, between the metaphoric notion of the border issue and what happens, like, say, for a veteran coming back from uh, overseas or deployment. Definitely moving from that idea that is, is exactly creating a bridges in, in this concept of of a bridge versus a border, right? There is a border when the veterans return to the United States, I definitely yes. But also I was talking about a very specific border that is geographic. The place that I come from is the most visited border of the world. Millions a day. Mm -hmm. The people who cross legally is like so, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Superior to the idea of how much people cross illegally. I grow looking at the border, the fence. Literally, like I can see it in my, the background of my house and I, I can see the border, the, the, the physical border. So it was everyday life. Mm -hmm. But then when I start to think about the border and these metallic pieces, those metallic pieces. The U.S. landed planes on this corrugated metal in the first Gulf War. And then after the war, it was like, what do we do with all this metal? We'll take it to the border <laughs> and we'll build a fence. Oh my gosh. And so, that's the, literally the metal that divides the two countries. This project that I have with my company in Mexico is since 16 years ago. I mean, 16 years ago, mm -hmm. I was ha having the hope that the, the, the border between Mexico and the United States or other borders with the Muslims and, and with the Arab countries I thought that we would be progressing. That mm -hmm. I thought that I have hope when I start this this company that that this idea of uh, eliminating borders will work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also I believe that I imagine how will be the situation without the work that we are doing right. already. It helps. So I think that art is definitely extremely important, trying to have impact in our communities, to change the communities for the better of everybody. Sometimes people look at my work or our work and kind of ask that question, what's the thread, what's the connection between these things? And for me, I'll speak personally as an artist, it's, it's the issue of trauma and displacement. Right, that anybody who has lived through a war or in a war zone, whether that is an urban community in which there is urban warfare or an actual international war, and whether you're, you were a veteran in that war or you're a refugee fleeing from it, or whether you're dealing with these policies and changing, apparently shifting laws around migration and immigration and are living under the threat of deportation or the, the inability simply to cross from one location to the next because there's a fence in the middle mm -hmm. of two countries and maybe you need your families on one side or medical care is on the other. All of these things uh, are different aspects of the the incredible 
challenges that and trauma that people are dealing with around displacement and violence, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we choose projects or choose partnerships or decide, you know, what community we're going to focus on for a particular period of time, I think that's the underlying connection is because because I very much believe that art has a healing function uh, for the individual, but also for the community. Andre and I were collaborators since 2002, yeah. three, yeah. And and we have a lot of common things. We find yeah. that uh, Mia's a Mexican, and she with a Arab background. It's like so many connections artistically, but also in that how mm-hmm. the system is working mm-hmm. around these communities. And mm-hmm. since we're touring artists, and and we sometimes tour together, we're on airplanes quite a lot and crossing borders a lot, and we're very aware of the different but connected forms of of surveillance and inspection that we are subject to because of our identities. And there are situations where I will pass more easily because I have a, a U.S. passport. And there are situations where Dora will pass more easily because, she's because I'm Arab. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's something that we're... Uh, very conscious of all the time. So I was going to ask you how you ended up being drawn to these themes of trauma and displacement and border issues as artists, but what I'm hearing is that perhaps those are very integral to your experiences as human beings. Mm-hmm. I, de- I think the identity is one of the lines that is in my work, identity and women's issues. Since the border also is uh, a red area of, I would say in Spanish, feminicidio, that means genocide of women, murder, disappearance. So I'm from that area. So let me just, what you're talking about is active violence against women that has happened in border cities. Yes, it especially is. Like in the Juarez area is very notable. It's there. Yes, it's there. And what does that mean? The mm-hmm. complicity of the, of these countries and of these right. systems. So. Because those are, as you pointed out earlier, those are highly sur- surveilled areas with a lot of military or police might, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. an area of, of violent crime against mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. So I have a company. We are around 14 women, uh, dancers and actors in What Tijuana. is the name of your company? Mujeres en Ritual. And with my company, we focus on, on issues of women and migration. So there's a lot of connection in, in talking about how I, I get the inspiration, but also the pain mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and my own, I will say, my own sadness and my own uh, mm-hmm. fury sometimes. It's because mm-hmm. I grow seeing that. And mm-hmm. also for me, art is healing myself from that, from that experience. I would answer in a similar way that that you always the advice you always give a writer is write what you know, right? And I think as artists we begin creating if we create original work, we begin creating from a very personal place of personal experience and stories and images and as Dora said, pain, the the things that we need to figure out or work out or heal in ourselves and what's important to me is this connection between artistic practice and activism or, you know, working toward a better world for everyone. So for me, you know, the, the question of why am I so obsessive about issues of war 
is certainly partly being Arab American or Lebanese American. I mean, I'm third generation in the U.S., but you grew up being conscious of things that you don't realize aren't maybe the same thing that your neighbor is conscious of, right? So if you're a person of color, you're kind of daily aware of race and racial dynamics, whereas if you're white, you might not have to think about that every day. And so in my case, I was kind of always aware that this thing called war existed, even from a young age uh, and then growing up, I think that it's it's kind of always been a question that drives my work. And particularly 9-11 was a huge shifting point because I, I was a New Yorker at the time. So not only Arab American, but my apartment was on 13th Street in Manhattan, within a mile of the towers. So I, I've, I've lived that experience in a really, really specific way, being a New Yorker and at the same time dealing with the backlash against uh, Middle Eastern people that you know immediately followed and kind of hasn't stopped. To look at each other, that is uh, something that is simple and uh, at the same time is, is complex in in art is like that yeah i was thinking of the you know shakespeare concept of what is the artist supposed to do is hold a mirror up to life right i think that we do that and hopefully in that mirror we can see ourselves in the plural right you're no longer looking at the other across the border you're looking at all of us reflected in the same mirror right Mm -hmm. but also in addition to that i think the kind of art that i'm interested in and that we both create is not just looking at the reflection, that an honest look at that reflection is one step. And then the next step is how do we envision a different alternative, a different situation, a better future? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? And helping the people who participate in the creative process to envision that together and then, you know, hopefully speak it into being in some way. In 2011, so 10 years after, I had an opportunity in residence with Pangea World Theater in Minneapolis to create what I thought was gonna be a solo piece, but turned into an ensemble project. Pulling together a series of poems I'd been writing since 9-11 on the topic of that experience and being Arab American since. And so I decided that I wanted to explore, because as I mentioned, I'm third generation here and I actually didn't grow up in a Arab community. I grew up with my mother's family, um, which is white American. And so as an artist, I was kind of interested in reconnecting culturally and learning and challenging myself to figure out what that would be. So I decided that I wanted to see what would happen if I brought a bunch of musicians who play Middle Eastern music together with the poetry that I was writing about my own experience post 9-11. I also got to work with a a really wonderful video designer named Pramila Vasudevan. So we created this piece called 11 Reflections on September and premiered it in 2011. And it's still touring (laughs) because every time I think that I'm done with that project and that I don't have anything more to say about it, something else crazy in the world happens that makes it continue to be relevant. And so I also try to 
make it a piece that's responsive to what's happening at the time. So in 2011, when I was writing it, it actually ended with Tahrir Square because the Egyptian revolution was just starting and the whole world was, you know, amazed. Mm-hmm. at this public uprising. And, you know, at the time we were talking about it as the Arab Spring and right. all of that. So in the original production, that was the end of the show. And it ended, Ending on an upbeat. <laughs> yeah, it did. It had this moment of, like, hope and possibility, right? Then in more recently, I remounted it for a New York production in 2015. And, you know, I felt like it, that couldn't be the ending anymore. We had to talk about Syria. And so the last piece is a piece called In the Blood of Spring that is about what happens after the revolution and Mm -hmm. what happens when revolutions aren't so simple and what do we do with all that violence, right? The last iteration of it, I had the opportunity to tour with a Syrian singer named Lubana Al-Kuntar, who's extraordinary. She's based in D.C. now. She is a classical Arab music singer, but she's also an opera singer. And she was Syria's first opera singer for wow. the national the national level. And um, she had to escape the revolution and the ongoing war. And she's now a refugee. So, you know, I think when we... When we talk about refugees, nobody thinks of an opera singer, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, refugees are from every sector of society with all kinds of life experiences and skills and and talents that they bring to this country, which is, is not how the news portrays them, right? I don't think the world has grasped yet what we're losing in Syria. We have lost so much that I think most people in the U.S. can't fathom because we we can't fathom millennia of recorded history, museums, artifacts. We don't have that here. That's not our lived experience, except perhaps for Native Americans. But, you know, it's like, it's like the library in Alexandria being burned. I mean, or, or the, the, all the books and calendars and and things of the Mayans that were destroyed in colonization Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. those that knowledge can never be replaced it's it it's just it's just a crime against humanity that we'll never we'll never recover you know that I I hope that there will be enough people and oral history projects to gather what we can from the people who remember but um it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tremendous loss that mm-hmm. I, I don't think we've really understood yet. You look at art as healing. Mm-hmm. So there's a sort of tension here with what you've said that we're losing something we'll never recover and yet creating art. Well, I, you know, it's not the first time in history and we always hope it'll be the last, but part of what we are grieving for is the loss of art and literature and architecture and the, the beautiful things that humans create. And so even in the face of that loss, we have to keep creating, you know, because someday we'll, we'll be the ancient civilization, you know, and it's, it's the artists and the writers and the, the architects and the visionaries who leave behind the things that are, are worth remembering and studying and and so even as we mourn things that maybe can't be recovered, we have to keep that creative spirit alive. We have to keep envisioning the future. There's something that, that is very, I will say, powerful in doing art. In order to liberate, it needs to connect with something very deep that is in ourselves. 
we're talking about things that are being lost, but still doing our thinking that we can still have hope. We, we have dreams, we have desires. We know that we, we can move forward and we enjoy through the process and at the end of the process. Sometimes to, through humor, mm-hmm. we are able to have this important distance to see sure. the reality and the connection, the profound connection, profound connection with spiritual aspect that art has. Both of you are also teachers. And I would imagine it's challenging to work with young students around some of these issues. I think we often underestimate people. I think young people are far more aware and passionate and curious and scared and have a lot to say than we think, simply because we don't often give them enough space to say it and to be heard. But when you can create those spaces, I mean, we had a great workshop and we did a writing exercise on simply the question, what is American? What do we mean when we say America? And this incredible richness of anger and hope and contradiction <laughs> and I mean the, this this wonderful mix and range of emotions and expression came out of that simple question so I think young people do have so much to say and even if they're still in the process of figuring it out honestly most adults are still in the process of figuring it out so <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's, that was very interesting mm-hmm. yesterday I will just talk about one day so for you to have an idea what mm-hmm. happened uh, as a teacher in, in relationship with students and faculty, I start my classes teaching them how to stage the sonnets from Shakespeare. I teach them postmodern dance, Suzuki technique, and Grotowski methodology. So physical theater, and then we, we play with the sonnets, right? So the actors are, first of all, are doing a lot of movements and then, okay, sonnet is coming and sonnet has a metric and has a, a, a blank verse and has a couplet. So I teach the, the whole structure of the sonnets and, but underneath, there is a, a technique from Japan that I'm teaching there. There is this um, Polish uh, tradition in theater that they, they are also applying in postmodern American choreography. So. They are doing things from all over the world, although they are doing Shakespeare. Right? Wow, that's, that's a, fun. That, that was the first class. After, we have a, the reading of this play based on the veterans' love stories with the students. Andrea was there. So we have the, the, the students reading the stories, and we're talking about that is based on real, real, real people. So they were fascinated reading stories from, they say, oh, that's very cool that we can meet the person that is real. So later, they have this, what is to be American? They were thinking about themselves as a, what is that means to be American in this moment, and they create free writing and the movement. Not only that, at 5.30, two of the actors who were in the sonnet and in the veteran stories come to rehearse a play fully in Spanish from Puerto Rico writer. Wow. Fully so, in Spanish. So that can't be a typical day. <laughs> <laughs> that can be a typical day. It's but a amazing day. But I will say that I will not go and talk about politics to them. I don't need to do that. 
they are seeing what is around. They're living it. They are living it. I do not write talking about politics, but we need to teach students the truth and how we perceive the truth. One of the things that I was studying at the University in Mexico, the truth will make us free. And we need to confront the truth. And I think that is my obligation as a faculty, whatever I'm teaching, if I'm teaching theater or mathematics. And I would just add to that, like the, the, the community-based facilitation work that I do, you know, it's a, it's, it draws from a form of pedagogy and the idea that everybody has knowledge and everybody has their own truth and everybody's story matters. And that in this idea that drives a lot of community-based arts work is that, you know, we're so used to having political debates in the United States especially, but you can't quite debate someone's true story. You, you have to listen to it. <laughs> and then you have to figure out what it tells you about truth and reality. And the more that I can bring those stories to light and help people have platforms to tell their own stories. This is one of the things that really interests me about working with veterans is that, you know, we can have all kinds of ideas and concepts and political opinions about war, but until you talk to someone who's actually lived through one, we, we can't, you can't quite grasp what war is, right? And so the more that we can raise those stories to the light and create public opportunities for people to hear those stories and experience them, then I think we can start to have a better conversation as a society about really what it means when we decide to go to war and, when, and the responsibility of that choice. So from the, the day in the life of a student at USF that Dorna was describing, or professor at USF, to a, a, a private workshop in a mental health clinic, there are these things that resonate and recur, and that is the fact that we are now all global citizens and we can't ignore that. That's, it's the reality that we live in in the 21st century, and it's time for us to look at it and be a bit more responsible about it. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks um, for having us. Thank you. So I'm here with Andrea Asaf and Dora Ariola theater artists associated with the University of South Florida in the Tampa Bay area. It's been a wonderful conversation. I just wanted to encourage people to visit our website at art2action with the number two, A-R-T number two, A-C-T-I-O-N, art2action.org. This is Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, also known as AI, the Creative Pinellas Podcast. Sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners, visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.